Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. And welcome back to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Natisha Brooks. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Natisha Brooks, Republican candidate for Nashville mayor. Natisha Brooks, a former educator and self-described Christian conservative constitutionalist, has owned and operated a homeschool academy. Her education career includes work at Hillsborough High School and time as an educator in Orange County, Florida. She will fight for parents to represent to respectfully choose their child's path to a great education, whether parents or guardians choose to homeschool, private school, charter school, or public school. Natisha believes education is a top priority for our community and is willing to work diligently with the Metro Davidson County School Board. Many students learn in different ways. Therefore, it's important to respect parents' choice for their child's education. She would like to see families who choose to adopt foster needy children receive additional assistance and monthly stipends from the state to help aid their finances in the first years of adoption. Also, she would like to see additional aid to foster care adoption agencies to help new families with financial support. With that being said, the issues with DCS will have to be clearly cleared within the agency. Natisha wants to seriously address the transportation issues in Nashville. Potholes are a must to fix on our city roads and streets. Furthermore, she would like to revisit the possibility of Amtrak returning to Nashville. Natisha is a staunch supporter of the police. She is 100% for our police force and 100% for police reform. Gentrification in Nashville's must be addressed. She believes that there must be conversation about mental health. Hello, Ms. Brooks. How are you today? Hello. Hey, thank you. What a wonderful introduction. You got it all in, too. Oh, thank Yay. you. Thank you. And thank you for coming thank on you. with us. We really appreciate you taking time away from the campaign trail. Early voting begins really soon. Friday, as a yes. matter of fact, July 14th yes. in Davidson County, uh, where Nashville is. Um, 106 candidates in the mix to secure a seat in Nashville's government. Seats on the ballot include mayor, vice mayor, five at-large positions on Metro Council, and 35 district council member seats. How's the campaign for mayor going for you? Excellent. I really couldn't even ask for better. I didn't think it was going to go this way. When I say this way, uh, I am a staunch conservative. I don't, I don't hide that at all. But we are seeing people in Davidson County come over, I don't want to say to our side, just come over to the side of right, come over to the side of what's best for Nashville, which is conservative. They're learning a little bit by little bit, and they're saying, small business, we get it. Look at the platform. So I'm not just running for mayor just to be mayor. I'm actually teaching people that as a constitutionalist, you need to look at what your rights are, especially when you are paying taxes, taxes, uh -huh. tax without representation. That's we got to make sure we're represented properly on what we're paying into the government. OK, and so we're eight weeks left of summer and Broadway Bridge is closed as of today. <laughs> that can't be good for getting around uh, and to vote. What, why this week did they do that? 
And why did this week? I'm here at the Bordeaux Library. This is a very this library is probably the most high turnout for minorities, and it shut down. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and early voting is Friday, yeah. so I had to come over here and see what 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 was going on over here. Interesting. All right. Well, we'd love to know what that is, what you've ever find out. Um, so this is a very unusual race. Uh, accurate polling mm -hmm. in the mayor's race is difficult. Um, as noted, voters are more volatile in their preferences among the candidates. It is also harder to estimate turnout in low turnout elections. Many of the mayoral candidates still getting known citywide, even though we have like <laughs> 72 hours yet. Uh, early polls largely measure name identification, recognition, differences among the candidate. That's nationwide. That may change the campaign's prog progress. How do you feel about the, you know, uh, July, what's it going to be, 14 early voting mayor race? <laughs> Not your normal national we are We are feeling very confident because in two of the polls that were released, not one known candidate has got above 10%. Right. That's, that is saying a lot. And as I read the questions of the polls, one of the questions are, would you vote for this candidate, this candidate, this candidate, or any other candidate that's not listed? Or are you unsure? And as we are talking to people, what they're upset about in the polling question is that part that says we are unsure. They're sure. They're sure they're not voting for these candidates. So it's how the poll and the questions are written. And so as we look at that, and some polls say 45% are unsure of who they're voting for. The Davidson County Progressive Poll uh, which I did an interview with, their poll is saying 63% is unsure of who they're voting for. So what that is telling us is they are not, when I say they, the people that are being polled are unhappy with the candidate choices. So that leads us to believe we have just as good a chance as anybody in this race. Yeah. Yeah, I think the poll that you're referring to is the uh, NAIOP Nashville Commercial Real Estate mm -hmm. Development Association. They revealed there is no clear frontrunner in Nashville's. The 56% who think the city is on the wrong track is more than double those who thought the same in 2017, 2023 yes. race, 45% not sure, and 6% someone else. That's your opening, right? Only Freddie O'Connell with 10% okay, broke double digits. Go ahead. We think that 6% someone else in that particular poll, we think that 6% is us. We, okay. we truly do of that poll. One thing we do know is that we know conservatives were not polled. I've been a conservative since 2008. I know how conservatives vote. They are not going to vote for a Democrat. I know how we vote. I know how we think. So we don't, we don't believe we're almost 99, 99% sure the conservatives were not polled. But we will take that 6% gladly, someone else. We'll, we'll take that and then add on to the numbers when the conservatives do show up to vote. Noting that 34.2% of voters in Davidson County are recognized as Republicans. 
So we feel like it's been since 1890. <laughs> we we feel like we've got a path. We we might have this pathway to victory. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. 1890. That is quite a tradition. Um, well, when you when you take that 56% that said that they think the city is on the wrong track, it didn't really compute with me because according to the Vanderbilt poll, Nashville says 59% of people approve of Cooper's work as mayor compared to 40% who disapproved of how he's doing. How do you think he did? That poll was really confusing because on one of the polls of Vanderbilt said that we're on the wrong track, but then we approve of Cooper's hmm. approval rating. Um, I, I feel, you know, from my professional experience in politics, I believe Cooper's approval, uh, unapproval, let's start with unapproval rating. I think it's in the high 50s. And I believe that's why he chose not to run for Nashville mayor. I mean, you increase property taxes up to 34% in the middle of COVID, where people didn't have jobs. They were unhappy about that. Educators like me, I'm a 33-year retired educator, um, homeschool. I did work at Hillsborough. I worked in public school for a while. Um, on sat on many ethics boards committee, but a lot of teachers, and you have to understand, sixty-two percent of teachers are liberal. That that's that's what, the way they are. But they are very unhappy because even though they got a pay raise, they did not compute in that pay raise the inflation. So many teachers that have talked to me have said, "Miss Brooks, for the first time in our lives, we're going to hold our nose, but we're going to vote for you." Because we got to have, we we know you'll fight for us. But when I say fight, let me take that, advocate. I don't like that word fight. Advocate for them. When I say a parent has the right to choose how to educate their child, I don't want the public school um, funding to be taken away. We're not shutting down the school board. But we're not also closing the door to charter schools and homeschools because I'm a home, you know, I'm a homeschool educator. Uh, I do believe that the tax dollar should follow the child. Now, the reason why I say that teachers should get $70,000 a year, public school teachers, to start, and charter schools, because that's our tax money, mm -hmm. is because even if parents decide to pull their child out, remember, you lose federal tax dollars when you pull your child out of public school. But we don't want the educators to lose their salary. So that's why I have been advocating and working diligently with the state to say, hey, let's leave the public school's teacher's salary alone. However, those people like me that were spending almost $4,000 a year on curriculum to educate their child and our homeschool families, because we pay taxes too, if parents choose to use uh, the voucher system to educate their child, they deserve it. But I do say this with the stipulation because I'm a constitutionalist. I always say, and I got this saying from a person in Murray County, be careful of what you do with the government because whatever the government funds, it runs. So I chose not to take money because I didn't want the government in my business and how I educate my children. But if that's what you choose to do, again, I believe the tax dollars should follow, the money should follow the child. You agree with uh, Speaker Sexton and his proposal that seemed to have got a lot of lip service and then disappeared with all of the other things that were going on that now is leading to a mm -hmm. special session where he said basically give back 
all the Department of Education funds and let's go it alone. Do you think we can actually expand charters and do that? Do we have the money? Okay, that's a great question. I'm so glad you brought it up. So I'm from Gilmer, Texas, Gilmer High School. If you research us, I have this line. I talk, you listen, do your research. We are an independent school district, public school district. We don't take funds. And we have a they have a saying in my hometown. We don't talk Common Core because we're not doing Common Core. And if you don't want the government in your business, you cannot take the money. A lot of school districts don't realize you can say you are independent of the government. And I'm very proud of that, of Gilmer, Texas. It's been like that since I graduated back in 1989. So that statement, yes. Now, is it going to work for something like Davidson County? That's a conversation I'm going to need to have with uh, Speaker Sexton, because we have so many diverse groups here in Davidson County that are legal. They're legal. I'm not talking about, I want to make sure I'm using the politically correct, uh, but they're legal. <clears throat> but because they don't, the, the language barriers and the breakdowns, this is where the government temporarily steps in, not 100%, temporarily steps in. So as far as pulling back all the money from Davidson, Davidson County is urban. And that's why I say send a teacher as mayor, because I have a great relationship with them up, uh, up in the legislature to educate them that, hey, I love Clay County. I love White County, Van Buren County, all these small counties but it's not Davidson County. And because we have so many diverse groups, we have to address that. But how we address it is not one, taking over the school board, not two, just taking completely the federal dollars out. If you take the federal dollars completely out, how are we gonna pay for this? So do I want the federal government in our business? Maybe about that much. Maybe in for your radio listeners, uh, just like an inch, but then how do we how do we do the government dollars? Nobody is talking about this curriculum. My forte is curriculum director. We have to talk about the curriculum that is in the school systems that our children are being taught from from the teachers. As mayor of Nashville, and I tell people all this: I don't care if you're awake, woke, sleep, taking a nap, or dozing off. I don't care what you are or how you identify yourself with. I just want the ABCs and the one, two, threes. I don't need you to tell my future grandchildren how they need to think and process other identities of life. I just need you to teach the basics. And that is the reason why Davidson County is now 95 of 95 counties in the state as far as education. We've got to get this back under control and take all of the other items out and just educate our children. You must have been very disappointed with the uh, TCAP scores for third graders. And then they showed that the eighth graders were even worse off than the third graders. And so the third graders who have to be held back, they uh, basically haven't had school because of COVID two years of that. And then the third grade, and now they got to repeat that uh, must be, must be heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I would like to have, I've said this in forms and I always tell people, please follow the candidates from form to form. I've noticed some, you know, people will say this at this form and say this at that form. Follow us in every form to make sure we're saying the same thing at all forms. So that particular thing at, on the third grade retention, 
Natisha needs to be mayor because I've got to get up there. Remember, I said I was a curriculum director. You cannot legislature, Speaker Sexton, Senator Pody, Senator Hensley. Y'all know y'all, I love you. But you cannot take one test to identify a student, whether they retain or whether they uh, uh, pass. And let me tell you why. A lot of students, and I'm guilty of this, a lot of students and parents don't know or probably never recognize if their child has a learning disability. I didn't know my daughter was dyslexic and SLD, SLD means slow, slow learning disability until she was almost in high school. And here I am doing all this yelling and carrying on and oh, you're just lazy and oh, da, 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 da. How many of those students are third grade and eighth grade? And remember I said, we've got a very diverse group how many do we know or not know may have a potential learning disability? So, you know, and I'm going to put this proposal on the floor, work it through the legislature, because, you know, as mayor, I can't do this. I have to go to the legislature to ask for help with this. As we test our children for hearing, can they see? Do they have lice in their hair? I would like to implement funds that all students get tested for a learning to see if they have test anxiety. Some students don't even know they have it or if they don't have it. And then we have to do different measurements of assessing our students because we should not be using the Iowa test, the California's test. We need to, and we can do this, we can develop our own tests within Tennessee of how to assess our students. Using an out-of-state test to assess Southern uh, ways of life. And when I say Southern ways of life, let me give you an example. If I say two crescents plus three crescents, how many crescents is that? Most kids in third grade are thinking, well, what's a crescent? Well, let's go back. If I say two biscuits plus three biscuits, then they're like, oh, I get it. That's why I say we have to create our own testing, not some testing from out of state. We're paying them millions of dollars and then using different language that we don't use. You see, I mean, and, and that's what I want to work with the legislature on. Let's go ahead and build our own assessments and then work our way into trade schools. Because I tell everybody, everybody's not going to college. I, I have this thing, talk to the hand. Everybody's not going to college. You remember back in my day, back in 19-something, we got trade school certificates for those that didn't go to college. We got secretarial certificates. We got different certificates, entrepreneurial certificates, start your own business. We need to look into that and make sure that we're not living through our children. We're living with our children. That's a saying that I've said in 59 forums so far. And I've, I've looked in parents' eyes and they're like, yes, she's right. It's okay if you want to start your own podcast and you do this for the rest of your life. Pat yourself on the back and have a good time and enjoy your life. If it's meant for you to be a doctor, congratulations. If it's meant for you to be a contractor, why can't they get their contracting license through high school? Congratulations. So I want to focus on the whole being and not just what we are trained in our minds of what a U.S. high school student should be doing after they graduate from high school. That's it. Uh, I saw that your top two or three priorities for the first term are more funded mental health facilities, more security and safety from police force, increased police force and salary 
And number three, increased teacher salaries and teacher stipends, which you mentioned. But my question about that is, do they deserve a raise? If only one out of three kids can read in Tennessee, do they really deserve more? Um, I love the question. So let me tell you how we're going to do this. Okay. We're going to do what we did in Orlando, Orange County. So in Orlando and Orange County, if you never missed a day of work, we got a stipend at the end of the quarter. And boy, who was missing a day? It was only $250, but $250 back in 1994, that's good money. I mean, truthfully speaking. And then uh, they called me the cleaner. I clean up the mess. I would go into schools, assess everything, get into a classroom. I took Carver Middle School from an F to a C. They moved me from Carver Middle School from a C to an, uh, an uh, from Carver Middle School, I'm sorry, to Gotha Middle School. And that's in the Tiger Woods area, the Windermere area. And uh, Gotha moved from a C to an A. I wasn't there a is year. Carver they the moved school, me again to Piedmont. Is Carver the school that was in the movie uh, Stand and Deliver? Yes. It was. Yes. I thought so. I thought so. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but when I heard Carver, I said, hey, no, wait a minute. No, I've okay. seen that story. Okay. You were there. Okay. You were that's there. Okay. Yes. So we were rewarded for the assessment of our students. But watch this. We couldn't proxy our own students. So if when the, when it came time to do the standardized test, I proxied somebody else's students and somebody proxied my students, right? And you were rewarded on how your students perform. So when I say this salary to start, I'm looking on performance. I'm not looking that you have a master's degree or a PhD degree. There are people that have a bachelor's degree. We have teacher's assistants that can do better jobs. Just truthfully speaking, I've seen it for myself. But we want to do that on a performance base. Now, the MNEA, who is probably going to hear your podcast, they may say, oh, there it is right there. We knew she. We knew it was, it was too good to be true. Well, it's just like the Titan Stadium. There's three things we do in Gilmer, Texas, faith, family, and football. And if you look up Gilmer, Texas, we are state champions like every other three, four years. We take football very seriously. The reason why I'm not against the Titans I'm against the performance. You don't reward bad behavior. I'm not rewarding bad behavior of teachers and bad performances. You want to reward those that are performing. And guess what? When it's just like YouTube, when you get so many subscribers, guess what? They start paying you. They start reward rewarding you. That's what we want to do with our teachers. Uh, with the Titan Stadium, let's get into a playoff or something like that before we put a billion dollars into you. And so back to the teachers to answer your question, performance based, not your degree, because a lot of teachers have come up to me and they say, can you explain that to me? I have a PhD and I'm only making the. I'm not looking at the degree. I'm looking at the performance. That's what I'm looking. Mm -hmm. I need you to start with page one in the book and, and end by the end of the year. Well, we have all this discipline issue. I'm glad you brought that up because we need to protect teachers too. Teachers are being hit, beat, stomped on, pepper sprayed. And therefore to keep teachers, I've got to give them some kind of incentive to stay, okay? So my belief is if we can put a billion dollars into the Titan Stadium, we can put that into our police force, 
which they deserve every single dime. And when I say I heard you, a part of my bio was uh, I'm 100% police and police reform, not the reform that you think to the American public that you're listening. Let the police take care of the police. I don't need to do an oversight to police you, to police this. They need to work internally. You reform internally of what works for you. Bring it back to us, the mayor and the citizens, and let us know what you're doing. I don't want, I told teachers, would you like someone to reform you? Would you like an oversight? We already have the state, but would you actually like people of the public to say, I'm going to do an oversight committee for teachers because we're going to oversight you. But but who are you? But And and, and I met with the lady yesterday uh, at the, yesterday was Sunday, uh, Sunday was the NOAA forum. And she said, I don't think you quite, I saw your answer response about the oversight committee. And I don't think you understood what we were trying to do. I said, yes, ma'am, I, I do understand. But then I, I get I put back to teachers as an educator. I said, with your small business, would you would would you want me to do an oversight committee for your small business? You handle that internally. And I have confidence that Chief Drake and the police department can handle their own business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you cited the statistics that 87 percent uh, high school graduation rate in Nashville, 36.7 percent college grad. So obviously not like you said, only two thirds are. Well, two thirds are not able to get through college if they don't want to. Um, do you think that helps um, with your voters that uh, demographic in Nashville? Let's say, I mean, I, just looking at it in terms of raw political numbers, it's sixty-one point seven percent black, 20, or sorry, white, twenty-eight point one percent black. And in two thousand sixteen, Trump lost Davidson by twenty-five points. He won Tennessee by one of the highest margins in America, sixty-one percent. Um, you're running as a Christian conservative. Do you think Nashville is ready for that kind of change? I put that out there for a reason, because I don't believe that you should hide who you are. That's the problem that we have with our politicians. Just come out, give it to us straight, who you are. And with my demographics, Black, African-Americans, Native Americans, they are very appreciative of that. And especially when I say Christian, uh, most African-Americans go to church. That's just what we do on Sunday. And so that when they see that Christian part, they're like, yay. When they see the conservative part, they're like, "Mm, I don't know what to explain to me what that means. And so what we've done on this campaign is we've educated people what conservative means fiscal responsibility, limited government in your business so that you can have a productive small business, business taxes. It's starting to click a little bit by little bit by little bit. And I'll tell you, even if we come up short, I can tell you that the name Natisha R. Miss Brooks is all over Davidson County. They're starting to get it, what we're about. I am not going to deny that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm just not going to do it. That's just what it is. That's who I am. I'm not also going to deny anybody that's Hindu. I've been in the Hindu churches. They let me speak last week. I observed the the way that they pray. When they prayed and they did their little whatever, I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, da da da. da. I was saying Jesus while they said something else. So I acknowledge people's religion, but 
too far, I feel, and especially with things that have been coming down lately with our shootings, uh, I feel that our Christian faith, my Christian faith, I don't want to say our because I know everybody's not a Christian, but, uh, you know, my family, my daughter, my son, you know, we feel that our Christian faith is under attack. And so I felt the need to be very truthful on my website that I am a Christian, uh, that and a constitutionalist. Watch, watch this. That goes for everybody. It, you can be a Democrat and be a constitutionalist. You can be a Republican and be a constitutionalist. So my answer to questions when people say, how do you feel about this, Ms. Brooks? What does the Constitution say? Oh, well, uh, well, which one? Well, my favorite amendment is the 10th. I believe in states' rights. That, you know, the 10th and the 14th Amendment pretty much covers it all for me. So uh, I believe that when we put that word Christian out there, the church pastors right after this, I have a forum. And then after this forum, uh, a Nashville uh, Chamber of Commerce. But after the forum, I'm meeting with several black ministers that are liberal. They asked the meeting for me. So I think the Christian part, people are saying, you know what? I believe we need to get this faith back into our culture that some kind of way dwindled out. We're not against the Jews. We're not against anybody else. But for those of you that are Christians, I want them to feel that they do that they have a safe home here in Davidson County. I did find this interesting. The last time there was a mayor's race uh, that went on in 2019, there were 20 candidates. They all went to the Muslim Meet the Candidates at the Islamic Center of Tennessee and the Muslim American Cultural Center. I saw some images of just a few of you this time, um, you and the Republican candidates, Alice Rowley and, and you, a uh, few others. What does the Muslim community want from the next mayor? Did they happen to say, and for those that don't know, Islam represents about 0.8% of the Nashville-Davidson population? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. I went because I was not invited to that forum. I was not invited to that forum. Hmm. Alice Rowley was invited. She had a seat at the table. They said it was not enough room for me. So I stood outside of the forum and I greeted guests that were coming in. I did respect their culture. I wrapped their head up just like in my church. Uh, I'm African Methodist Episcopal. We have uh, our saying that we go through our, our dialogue, uh, our decalogue. And it was amazing when some of the Muslims came up to me and said, why are you not in the forum? I said, I wasn't invited. And they were like, what? And I said, I wasn't invited. And one of the gentlemen that was on another team said, Natisha, do you think you were not invited because you have that word Christian popped out on your website? I said, I have no clue, but I wanted everyone to know that because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that I don't love you. And my Christian faith tells me this, that let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. So maybe just as Muslims are trying to pull people into their faith, I have a duty to pull people into my faith. I'm a strong Christian and I wanted to stand right there and let them know I was not rude. Let me say it, say it for the record. I was in no way rude. Uh, 
but was disappointed that, and I do feel this in my heart, if I'm wrong, I apologize a million times over, but I do strongly feel that I was not invited because I do have Christian conservative constitutionalists as a, uh, as my three points on my website, but I'm a big girl and I can handle it. Yes, I think so. So there are 52,000 businesses in Nashville alone. How is the Chamber of Commerce taken to your campaign message being a Republican? No one has really said anything. I feel sometimes when we walk in a room, I don't want to say people are tipping around us. They don't. I think they were expecting this militant, Miss Brooks, conservative, she's just going to throw us all up under the bus. But when I start talking business tax policies and what we want to do in our administration, they slow down and they start to talk and listen. I will say about 60% of our campaign has been businesses reaching out to us, asking us to come in and talk to them and for us to explain what do we mean by conservative? And that is a way for us to get our platform out there. My main goal, I, I, was, in, I was a starch liberal, voted for Obama in 2008. And then when he said his opening speech, I said, mm, I need to research this. Did not vote for him the second time. Switched over to the Republican Conservative Party. And I don't even like to say Republican. I want to be very clear on that, too. I really, if if we could get a conservative party movement going, I would love to lead the charge. <laughs> uh, because, and I say that because some Republicans, they, when they get elected, it doesn't seem conservative policies. So if you notice, I don't, I, I have to say Republican when I pull a Republican ballot, because in the state of Tennessee, you cannot be identified as a bona fide Republican unless you pull a Republican ballot in the primaries. If there was a conservative party, I would, I would label myself, not libertarian. I would label myself as a conservative. Yeah, I agree with you because thirty-two and a half trillion dollars of debt is not very Republican, in my opinion. Um, all right, a little bit of wonkiness now. Uh, since <laughs> you, may, you may be mayor in a month or two. Bell Mead Plaza is up for a final vote uh, tonight. Uh, Metro Council meeting. Uh, the plan is one of the most ambitious in Nashville in recent years, and would transform one of the city's busiest corridors. The plan got unanimous approval. State Senator Heidi Campbell, who is running for mayor, said earlier this month, council should defer the proposal to allow for more community input. Well, they didn't. What do you make of this Bell Mead situation? Great question. Once again, here we go back to the Constitution. I did not say I was against the Tennessee Titans. I said I was against how it was done. Yeah. You cannot tell us what to do with our taxpayers' dollars. And I felt like little big government is taking over us little big taxpayers. And that's an issue with me. With Bellmead, and that's one of the places I wish I could be tonight, but we have a forum. Uh, I don't, I, I feel them. It, they're not, there needs to be more community input. However, here's where I'm different with other politicians. Where are the surveys? Nobody has no surveys. 
What, 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 where did this come from? And I, I'm not being facetious. I, I'm being very strategic in what I'm saying. I did my own surveys on the Titan Stadium. I did not wait for a Vanderbilt poll. As a matter of fact, if you go through my social media, you'll see me writing my own letters. You'll see my postcards that we put out. We stood on the street corners in the cold. How do you feel about the Titan Stadium? And I'm going to tell you, the Vanderbilt poll and all these other polls, according to my poll, is wrong. I can't find one person except those two people council people that are running for mayor. I can't find anybody that wants the Titan Stadium. And, and watch this, Democrat or Republican, and especially in the Black community. So going back to the Bell Meat uh, uh, question, I want to see proof. As mayor, I'm going to give you proof. Where are the surveys? Yeah. Where are the There's, surveys it's on transit? probably even more buried on the uh, When we talk about racetrack. transit, and what do you talk about transit? Yeah, the racetrack transit and, and Titan Stadium don't mayor, have... Go ahead. There's a little delay there. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't. Could you finish it? I couldn't. Oh, I was just saying between racetrack. The, the racetrack expansion, Titan Stadium, and um, uh, what was the other thing I just said? There's a third. Transit. Uh, oh, transit. Yeah, there's a lot mm -hmm. of um, decisions being made without what seems to be community input. Absolutely. And so you would change that? You would, you would bring uh, yes. It's, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You got. You have to put it to the people because to me, this is a definition. And when when people hear me say this, they say, "Oh, there's that conservative. There it is. I knew it was. I was just waiting for it to come out. It was always. It's always been in Natisha. <laughs> uh, we always should put it to a ballot. I don't need government telling me what to do. Now, here's the thing. If you look on my social media, I'm a starch ESPN2 fan. Is Natisha for the racetrack? You betcha. Is she for is she for football? You betcha. Is she for all of this? But it's not what I want. It's what the people want. Right? Neighbors, so yeah. I didn't say we couldn't have a new I, I didn't say we couldn't have a racetrack. I'm in Lebanon all the time. I put that on my Facebook the other day. People were like, oh, Miss Brooks, I didn't know you were like that. Yeah, I got I got lots of redneck in me. I can feel it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, and I mean that in a good way, my white friends. I mean that I mean that in a good way. Um, but it's not what I want. It's what the people want. So we have to make sure that we put this to a ballot vote, community input first, then to a ballot, and then you go from there. Do you know how many people have emailed me and said, "I wish you would stop talking about transit." I like driving my truck. Well, I like driving my truck too, but I do want Amtrak. I do want a monorail. I do want this city to look, if it, if we're going to be urban, let's be urban. But right now, it's too much. We've I told Speaker Sexton, where's the gas tax money? $760 million y'all getting every year. Where, where, where What are we doing with the gas tax? That's why y'all put the gas tax on us, was to make the roads better. And we still busting tires. I mean... We, we need to make sure that we're all aboard. And as mayor, I'm just not going to be mayor, <clears throat> mayor of Nashville. I want to be a leading advocate between us and the state. I don't want the state to do a hostile takeover. But Are when you in you're favor so much of in debt. Atlanta to Memphis to maybe Chattanooga to, to Kentucky rail lines too? Is that what you mean by Amtrak, those extensions? Yes. 
Okay. And 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 um, I'm sorry, not just Amtrak. It's the other one too. Uh, speed. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. But yes, Amtrak uh, and high speed. High, oh, high speed, speed rail. rail. Yes, oh, yeah. like yes, mm -hmm. high okay. speed rail. But okay. yeah, so I, I, I want to run out of time with you, but I have to get into if you're running for mayor of a big city crime, uh, three shootings on 4th of July, uh, we, uh, Nashville is 11.87 per thousand versus Tennessee 6.75 per thousand of crime uh, victims. Uh, the good news is murder and rape are in line with the U.S. 0.15 and 0 0.60 per thousand, but robbery and assault are way up at 2.34 and 8.78. Um, that's Broadway's issue, isn't it? And tourism is very important to Nashville's economy. How do we keep the bachelorette capital of the world safe? So when talking to Chief Drake, and uh, also I ran for the 5th Congressional District, I talked to other county mayors and other county sheriffs. They are telling me that their beds in the jails are not meant for mental health patients. And that's why they want more money for mental health and opening up mental health clinics and mental health hospitals. That was a platform when I ran for the 5th Congressional District. What we are proposing here in the Brooks uh, administration is because we are 240 officers short and a lot of them are getting ready to retire. I'm asking people to just get $100 and go get your business license at the state. We're going to have to have individual uh, sole proprietors to open up their own security businesses. I'm going to ask for funding from the state to help us with that so that we can help with the police department. The other thing that we're going to do uh, differently that I want to talk with the state as far as putting into the curriculum and working with the school board on is that we have a pathway to police, being a police officer in high school. So just like there's JROTC, we have some kind of junior police training in high school. So by the time they turn 18, they can at least be working in the administrative side and then 21 actually be in patrol. Uh, but right now we have to have more security businesses because we're short. There's nothing we can do about it. I just talked to an Indian uh, business owner today. He said, "Miss Brooks, I heard what you said on another podcast. I'm getting that so that we can get our businesses secured in this area. We've had 20 break-ins within the last uh, 17 days. That's terrible. terrible. So we have to help Chief Drake. Okay. Um, according to the Tennessee Sports Wagering Advisory Council, the state had a total sports betting handle of $318.4 million for the month with an adjusted gross income of $32 million. Like you said, where is the road money? Where is that money? And why do we need choice lanes or toll lanes to get in and out of uh, Nashville if there's all that excess revenue not being used correctly? Back to being a constitutionalist. I'm not for the choice lanes, I will, I'm not, I'm going to advocate. I don't like to use the word fight. I need to get up there and talk with the legislature. The choice lanes and reading of the light, I was very surprised at some of the liberal candidates' answers when they said, oh yeah, I'm for the license plate readers. Really? <laughs> but then we're all bent out of shape on these issues, police issues over here and police issues over there. Um, my son is an attorney and he says, you know, don't know if that's quite constitutional. 
I said, you know, I didn't look into that. He said, yes, mother, be careful about answering that question of license plate readers and choice lanes. Is that constitutional? We're still doing our homework on that. So as far as my answer on that currently, if I don't have an answer, the answer is no. I'm not for that until we do further research on it. But yes, with all this money going on, why can't we get fixed? And this really, we're the capital of Tennessee. And we've got other counties in Tennessee that look way far better than we are. And that, in my opinion, is the crime. Yeah. We should be the example. So the key to this weekend is making the runoff, obviously. Um, any guesses who your opponent would be? Yes, I think it's going to be, I believe, I'm going to say it right on your show. All I right. believe history I believe history is going to be made either way. One of the candidates identifies themselves um, as partner, a, as gay. Uh, it's, you can see my color is I'm of color. I, there's a lot of inside talk out there that one way or another, Nashville is going to make history. So we believe that a Republican will, and it's almost impossible that unless the conservatives just don't show up. All right, Mills Creek, where are you? Unless Republicans, conservatives don't show up, it's almost impossible for a Republican candidate not to get in the runoff. So we feel that it will be us against another candidate that uh, identifies themselves in the pride community, that history will be made one, one way or the other. And when I say history, there, I'm not talking about color. Y'all know I don't get into the color thing. I, I get into the character. There hasn't been a Republican candidate. I mean, a Republican mayor since 1890. That yeah, let me that, let me say that very clearly. That blows That's my what mind, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that and that blow. And guess what? When the progressive Democrats put on their website that it might be time for a change. Wow. Yeah, we think we're making some headway. So there are only four candidates that I could find that contributed personal loans to their own campaign. Uh, you are one of them. How can people That's find it. you on social? How can they get involved in your campaign? How can they donate to your campaign? Um, and I want to thank you for taking time away to talk to us and come in here on a Tuesday during campaign season. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me so much. You know, with everything going on, we did not feel right to ask people for a bunch of money. I'm blessed. My father was a Baptist preacher. He left me pretty well off a sweet potato farm. Uh, we have quite a bit of land and rental property. So I'm blessed. I'm, I'm thanks. Thank you, daddy. I thank him every time. Uh, so yes, we did loan our campaign money, but you can donate at NatishaForNashville.com, Natisha Brooks 16 Twitter. I'm 52 years old, but I have the energy of a 16 year old to run Davidson County. <laughs> and then Natisha.Brooks for Instagram. And uh, we do have a YouTube channel. It's called Natisha, N-A-T-I-S-H-A, the letter N, just N, the T-H-E, mix. You can see me all around, not just Davidson County, but all 95 counties of Tennessee. I love Tennessee. Yeah, I can tell. And uh, <laughs> you said very clearly, or they said, uh, voters don't want the new Titan Stadium, gentrification, cost of real estate for older Nashville citizens who helped to build the city and property taxes, 
and the homelessness problem. Sounds like those are your main um, focuses as well. So. Please, let, let's not forget the senior citizens, the disabled, and those incarcerated that have done their time. They have done their time, and they're back in society. And I'm talking about my white males that are between the ages of 23 and 32. They have it the worst. We talk about black, 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 black. We never talk about white males in between that age group that feel that they don't get a second chance in life. So I always tell people, I'm the mayor. We're the mayor that believes in second chances. And that's why I eat at my favorite five-star restaurant, the Waffle House. They always give people second chances. So let's not forget, we're, we're all in this together, but no one color has more problems than the other. And I want us to understand that it's the character, second chances. I've had a hard time in my life. Look where the Lord has led me through. And we want to be that mayor to show that, you know what, Natisha made it through all of that. I can too. So this is Nashville, Davidson County, Tennessee. We are the volunteer state. Natisha is dedicated to donating her entire salary if she should make mayor uh, to a charity. Uh, my charity, of course, is veterans. Y'all know I'm big on my veterans. Wow. Uh, so we want we want to make sure. And then once again, I'm blessed. So I didn't need to, we loaned our campaign money. We're blessed. And we want to make sure that everyone has a good capitalist capitalist. You can make it in Nashville. You can start your own business. You can pick yourself up. You can. If Natisha could do it, you can do it too. Believe me. All right. Well, it won't be long now. Just a couple more hours and we'll get in those returns. So good luck I to know. you. And hope to have you back Thank again. Thank you sometime. and good luck and good luck to your podcast. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. Choosing the right mortgage for your home financing depends on so many factors. Working with a mortgage lender that offers a broad selection of mortgage programs is key. At One Trust Home Loans, they have helped many homeowners reach their home financing goals because they listen to anticipate your home financing goals and dreams. They aren't salesy, so for those 55 and older, you can trust them to help people not just survive, but thrive with extra cash flow. At One Trust, service is everything. To speak with a mortgage specialist about your home financing goals, call Matt Helton, Nolensville Branch Manager at 615-400-6764. Be sure to tell him Steve and Steve from MC View sent you. Calcon Mutual Mortgage, LLC, DBA, One Trust Home Loans is an equal housing lender, NMLS 46375. All products are not available in all states. All options are not available on all programs. All programs are subject to borrow and property qualifications. Rates, terms, and conditions are subject to change without notice. For more information on reverse mortgages, visit OneTrustHomeLoans.com slash reverse dash mortgage disclosures. In my 20s, our band toured the world. It was my job to keep us in the pocket. Right now, Nashville is out of tune. We need a mayor who will get things sounding right. I'll take on crime, make our city affordable, and pick up the damn trash. I'm Senator Heidi Campbell, and I know how to get Music City back in tune. 
So that was our original scheduled guest, Heidi Campbell, also for mayor, Democrat. Too bad was my chance to show my bipartisan nature. Uh, they call me right wing, but it's really because Dems won't show up. Oh, well. Well, she I'll didn't. She doesn't know how to, to seal up a deal with being on an interview. So if you can't be on an interview and you, and you and at the last minute you uh, fail to show up, then maybe that shows a failure to communicate, as a famous <laughs> line once said. Exactly right. And so uh, we got Natasha in here before early voting anyway. So that's fantastic. Um, all right, Steve, what did you think of our, our guest, a Republican candidate for national mayor, our Ms. Brooks? Oh, I loved her spirit. I love her. Um, if she doesn't get in for mayor, she needs to get involved with somehow, some way to completely upgrade your education. She understands, and I love the whole idea, and this isn't new, but the whole idea of productivity. You get you get bonuses, you get your, your full fee if you show that you can get those kids up to where they need to be. And I love that, the, just the reading, writing, and arithmetic, get out of there, everything else. Um, she's really, really strong in that, and I love the fact that she's constitutionalist. Uh, and she says, look, let's take a poll. Let's find out a survey. Do people even want these things? And, Steve, I'm, I live north of Seattle where they put three stadiums through that no one wanted, but they kept going through mm -hmm. and going through and going through because big buck there. backers get their way. And us taxpayers end up paying for it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and of course, the it used to be called a meritocracy, but with the two heads of the unions, that is really not allowed to happen. So it's nice. Uh, we'll see what comes of it. But the mayor really doesn't get too hands on with the schools. But yeah, uh, and we just appointed a gal from Texas as our new head of schools. So really just taking the place of the former head of schools who spent some time in Texas. So don't know why they don't have someone like her or Carol Swain, but it is what it is. But holy smokes, producer Steve, I was just checked in on the Rumble numbers um, of views for last week's show. We released it on Friday, which is rare, and it was a holiday week, so it's bonkers that it did this well. Guess how many saw it on Rumble? I do not know. That's is that Dr. T uh, Terry Sh Dr. Sherry Tenpenny? Correct. 2,200 so far and counting. Ooh, so ooh, we just got excellent. advertised today. So excellent. it should be even more. Yeah. We got like 20 new followers too, which makes me very happy. People will tune in to hear these guests. And here's the comment so far. Skin girl for you. Excellent interview. Thank you. Angel. Thank you. Dude with glasses, hearts, eyes, emoji. All right. Thank you. Skin girl for me. Ants 12. Dr. Malone is controlled opposition. Maybe. Don't know. You forgot to ask about nanotechnology and vaccines. No, I didn't. Other than that, great interview. Thank you, Ants12. VW Jetta123. <laughs> I just read them, folks. I'm in England and have followed Dr. Tenpenny since 2019 and believe she is so right about the jab. Haven't had the vax myself and twinged on that. There was something amiss here when the whole world was at risk. From what? Nobody has exclamation point, exclamation, exclamation point. Nobody had a clue what it was. Was it airborne? So not believing what our government told us, I opted out of complying with what they wanted us all to do. God help the ones that got it. Smakes, smacks, I think is what he meant, of mass hysteria because people believe all that their government tell them. The lesson here is don't believe a word your government tells you. Use your own judgment on everything. That's right. And you'll live longer. God be with you all. Don Burt. Thank you, Don. Excellent. We love you guys for making a minute, taking a minute out to comment. See, I read them. I've even read a negative one. I would maybe 
luckily not <laughs> um i haven't added one yet it's luckily um twitter that's nah, another story okay last week we were blessed to have had on dr sherry tenpenny uh, that knows stuff let's frame this segment off with this clip to remind us of that that was um then and this is now you will always have conspiracy theories when you have uh very challenging public health crises they are nothing but distractions. President retweeting a conspiracy video alleging that masks do not work. The video was then removed by Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube because it violated rules against spreading misinformation. The second most powerful man in the world revealing himself in this video as a mask truther. A major study finding masks made no difference in stopping the spread. Mask mandates, it turns out, were an utter failure. It's not me saying it, but the New York Times. The mask mandates did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? Brett Stevens cites a comprehensive British review of 78 randomized studies with more than 600,000 participants. So that wasn't um, scientifically sound. Uh, effective. The, the mask so, guidance correct. was not Correct. It science. wasn't science-based, and the six feet of distancing has, was arbitrary. Um, All around the country, over the weekend, protests popped up these morons and internet conspiracy theories, demanding an immediate end to lockdowns. And let's be honest, people, this is both insane and counterproductive. Because the more you gather in groups, the longer the lockdown will have to go on. Did lockdowns during COVID prevent severe effects from COVID-19? Did it help in the arc of the pandemic? Economists from Johns Hopkins say no. The report warned against using lockdowns as a pandemic measure in the future because of the low effectiveness on mortality and the consequences for the economy. The, the lockdowns in terms of their effects on mortality, we measured it against mortality, were, were basically irrelevant. They destroyed people. They literally killed people. When you shut down medical care in spring of 2020 alone, there were 650,000 cancer chemotherapy patients in this country alone, half of them didn't get their chemo because they were afraid. They were told it was dangerous to go to a medical facility. You weighed in on a theory that's been floating around that perhaps the number of fatalities related to COVID-19 is being inflated because people are actually dying of other things. Uh, can, what's your read on that theory? You know, Savannah, there is absolutely no evidence that that's the case at all. You know, it, it, I think it falls under the category of something that's very unfortunate, these conspiracy theories that we hear about. Even the wackos, Trump wackos, are, are, are doing conspiracy theories, saying those numbers are padded. What should we say to people who conspiracy theorize about an overcount of the death? I think remember we were that? right. I think we were right, Steve. Yeah, remember those good old days? Um, I don't know how anyone can turn on the TV ever again. Never. So they didn't want doctors like Tenpenny or Dr. Atlas, who we heard from, to know stuff. Uh, how'd they do that? How do we know they did that? Here's a story recently. Top NIH official advised COVID scientists that he used personal email to evade Freedom of Information Act request. David M. Morins, a high-ranking official at the National Institute of Health, NIH, told prominent scientists discussing COVID's origins that he would delete emails. A top advisor to Anthony Fauci at the National Institute of Health admitted that he used a personal email account in an apparent effort to evade the strictures of the Freedom of Information Act according to records obtained by congressional investigators probing the origin of COVID-19. The official 
also expressed his intention to delete emails in order to avoid media scrutiny. Quote, as you know, I try to always communicate on Gmail because my NIH email is FOIA'd constantly, wrote David M. Warrens, a high-ranking NIH official. In a September 2021 email, one of a series of email exchanges that included many leading scientists involved in the bitter COVID origins debate, quote, stuff sent to my Gmail gets to my phone, he added, but not my NIH computer. After noting that his Gmail account had been hacked, however, he wrote to the group to say that he might have to use his NIH email account to communicate with them instead. Don't worry, he wrote, just send to any of my addresses and I will delete anything I don't want to see in the New York Times. Hmm. The House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic in a letter said that this email raises, quote, concerns that you may have acknowledged or information suggesting Dr. Anthony Fauci wished to influence the COVID-19 origin narrative without his fingerprints. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Clip number two, please. You know, one point I wanted to make, this is going to be like the not another third rail of a topic, but you know, when you talk about that system that has literally an incentive to create a population that is ill, right, and to make sure that all of the things that can make you well and healthy and happy um, are not as what is advised, you know, I, I, you know, from what I've, you know, what I learned about the COVID vaccines, not only I learned about Reaper, but it also led me to studying childhood vaccines. And when you look at the history and the science that supports those vaccines, you learn some really, really uncomfortable facts. And I would say one of the most glaring is the wealth of data showing the absolute explosion in chronic illness that's coincident with the explosion in the childhood vaccine schedule. And so that to me is one of the, of all of the things that we've already kind of talked about, Brett. I mean, the things that I'm learning when I say that I'm estranged, I'm lost. I don't, I don't you know, because everything that I thought to be true, or at least had faith in that was operating, you know, with principles that I hold dear, you find that that's not the case and it's very disorienting um he didn't read my and book and to find <laughs> what you think has been settled science which is this the, the you know the overwhelming benefit of childhood vaccines you find that that's actually that's got some f pretty flimsy data to support and it has very disturbing data that's suppressed and the, but the point that i want to make is that we have so much chronic disease in this country at, at rates that you didn't see in the 70s and 60s. I mean, there's numerous reasons, right? Our, our diets have gotten worse and uh, things like that. But the, 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 the mechanisms of those vaccines and what's in them and how they really do, that we've shown how they can cause chronic diseases, autism and ADHD and all sorts of things. I know this is a troubling topic for people because, you know, how much can you bring someone along? Like, I, I've come along slowly here, but... But I keep discovering this system at work. Just like Dr. Tenpenny said, just like the stack of books here next to me, Steve, this has been going on for a long time, and it's all planned out. Yeah, and that was Dr. Pierre Corey, the same doctor that Dr. Tenpenny said won't take his call, unfortunately. Um, now, the godfather of vaccines, you got to be pretty high up to get that moniker, Dr. Stanley Plotkin 
admits under oath he got paid from all of the big pharma companies while consulting for an independent report on whether or not vaccines cause autism. Clip number three. Uh, review here. The only thing I've asked you is whether or not one can assert that vaccines do not cause autism. Counselor, but they do. Let's be, let's be real. You're asking me these questions because you want me to legitimize a view that vaccines cause autism. And I will not do that because absence of evidence is no proof whatsoever. You're okay with telling the parent that DTAP, TDAP does not cause autism even though the science isn't there yet to support that claim? Absolutely. I, okay. I'm also willing to tell them it doesn't cause leprosy. So he's not admitting yet, Steve. He's still unable to admit that what he does. No, but he's arrogant enough to say it doesn't cause leprosy, as if there aren't some serious children suffering and their parents, obviously, as well, financially and yes. emotionally. Yep. Um, and for some extremely odd reason, he didn't feel the need to disclose it in that same independent report. Um, all right, next issue. I did some investigating into New York. The Big Apple is a total mess. So this can be looked at as a good thing because they killed it very rare to kill a bad government idea or really bad because of the money that was pissed down the drain. This from outkick.com's Ian Miller. New York has quietly ended their vaccine passport mobile app designed to pointlessly discriminate against unvaccinated residents. The so-called Excelsior Pass has been discontinued due to what they claim was reduced demand for access to digital COVID-19 tests and vaccine records. Substack journalist Jordan Schachtel reported that the initial cost of the application was estimated to be $2.5 million. Almost immediately afterwards, though, costs ballooned to an unimaginable $250 million, much of which went to massive corporations, IBM, Deloitte, and the Boston Consulting Group. The fact that New York charged taxpayers $250 million to discriminate against themselves is as remarkable as it is unsurprising. The Excelsior Pass accomplished nothing whatsoever of value, harmed residents who made entirely reasonable personal health decisions and wasted hundreds of millions of dollars in the process. It's hard to imagine a more perfect government program than that. Next story, the Epoch Times gets their chance. The New York Times likely never will. The New York City now sheltering more illegal immigrants than homeless citizens, Deputy Mayor. New York City is now providing more shelter to non-citizens than to its own homeless residents' populations, according to the latest assessment from city officials. As at a Wednesday press conference, New York City Deputy Mayor for Health and Human Services Ann Williamson Isom, I can't trust those three named people, said the city is currently sheltering more than 100,000 people the majority of whom are illegal immigrants and other non-citizens who are seeking to stay in the United States for the long term. With over 50,000 asylum seekers currently in our care at this point, we now have more people seeking U.S. asylum than longtime unhoused New Yorkers in our shelter system, New York City Williams Isom said. She said New York City has taken in 81,200 illegal immigrants and asylum seekers since the spring of 2022, including 2,500 new asylum seekers in the past week. The federal government has pledged about $30 million in assistance to deal with the influx, but Adams insisted his city shelter expenses would far exceed that level of federal support. Quote, we're projected to spend close to $4.3 billion, if not more. This estimate was based on a number of migrants coming to the city, and those numbers have clearly increased, Adams said. When you look at the price tag, $30 million comes nowhere near what the city is paying 
for a national problem. Well, shoot, that's money for homeless. At least they have their healthcare department all figured out, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we just had a pandemic and the former governor Cuomo got booted for his mishandling of old folks in nursing homes, right? So it's got to be cleaned up now. <laughs> no, 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 no. New York City spent $9 million in taxpayer dollars sending $5 bills with surveys, but most were thrown in the trash. The shitty, the, that's <laughs> there. the city shelled out $8.8 million in taxpayer money to produce and send out mental health questionnaires that contained $5 bills as an incentive for filling out the forms. But many likely wound up in the trash because the envelopes look like junk mail, called critics told the Post. The health department working with the City University of New York sent the surveys to 210,462 households in early May, with a goal of netting 50,000 responses, but only 12,759, or an abysmal 6%, replied as of June 27th. They're taking a gamble that even 10% of people will open it. That's bananas, Jennifer Crocker, 37, who happened to open her mailer, told the Post. The city is throwing away our money. Since May 11th, plain white envelopes bearing only the health department's logo and a note on the outside that people can earn $20 have been mailed out. Inside is the cash, the roughly 60 question survey, and a letter from Health Commissioner Dr. Ashwin Vasan explaining how participants' personal information could assist the city in determining helpful resources for you and your loved ones. Research firm Ipsos was paid $7.5 million to conduct the survey. Of course. According to Monique Williams, project manager at the CUNY Institute for Implementing Science in Population Health. And it's not just NY that's nuts. CUNY is a university system here. It's the other coast, the left coast, and how progressive and tolerant and into equity they are there. Berkeley Law Dean currently filmed while bragging about undercover anti-white, anti-Asian policies. Clip number four. What I mean by unstated affirmative action is what if the college or university doesn't tell anybody doesn't make any public statements, but still wants to. I'll give you an example from our law school, but if ever I'm deposed, I'm gonna deny I said this to you. Um, when we do faculty hiring, we're quite conscious that diversity is important to us. And we say diversity is important, it's fine to say that. But I'm very careful when we have a faculty appointments committee meeting. Anytime somebody says, you know, we should really prefer this candidate over this candidate because this person would add diversity, don't say that. You can think it, you can vote it, but our discussions are not privileged. So don't ever articulate that that's what you're doing. Well, that works more easily with regard to faculty hiring. With regard to student admissions, it becomes more difficult because it's a statistical measure. Berkeley Law School Dean Erwin, now Law School Dean Erwin Chemerinsky explains how he has secretly enacted a policy of racial discrimination in faculty hiring, which is illegal in California. Quote, if I'm ever deposed, I'm going to deny I said this to you. Oops, the internet is for everybody. In California, it's against a lot of hire based on affirmative action in public employment, public education, or public contracting. But they know their environmentalism, right? Conser conservation, recycling, all the Greta Green New Deal stuff in force. Solar is booming in the California desert if water issues don't get in the way. Utility scale solar farms spreading rapidly across the desert southwest are stressing the region's already overtaxed groundwater and communities are beginning to push back. 
Solar farms stretch out mile after mile along Interstate 10 around Palm Springs, creating one of the densest areas of solar development in North America in the heart of California's Colorado desert. But the area's success in meeting the state and nation's renewable energy goals is running up against the Southwest's biggest climate challenge, having enough water. Local wells in the area have gone dry since the construction of multiple utility-scale solar projects near Desert Center, threatening the only water source for hundreds of people and a handful of local businesses. As the water here begins to disappear, residents worry that Lake Tamarisk wells are next. The community is entirely reliant on groundwater. If their wells run dry, all they could do is drill deeper or hope the drawdown of the aquifer is just a short-term impact of the nearby construction and not a sign of overdraft from the entire region. But the development is unlikely to end anytime soon. So far, around 20,000 acres of land has been developed in the solar energy zone. The community falls within. Another 120,000 acres are available for solar development. And tragically, they don't care about environment or their people. More than 75,000 are homeless in Los Angeles County as numbers jump 9% from 2022. More than 75,000 people are homeless in Los Angeles County, California, marking an almost 10% increase in the unhoused population from 2022. In a new annual point in time count released Thursday by the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, it reported that 75,518 people in the country were either living in vehicles, tents, makeshift shelters, or provisional housing. Last year, there were 69,144 found to be living in such conditions, according to Los Angeles Times. Since the same count in 2015, the number has reportedly spiked 70% in the county and 80% in Los Angeles. Black homeless people made up a disproportionate 31% of the count, while Latinos accounted for about 43%. Further, a quarter of the country's homeless people are suffering from mental illness and an additional 30% reported having substance use disorders. Terrible. Good job, Gavin Newsom. You said you had a plan for homeless when you ran for governor. Was it to increase it? Let's hope he doesn't get a chance to do it nationwide as president. Last one. Michigan House passes bill that could make using wrong pronouns a felony. Finable up to $10,000 under the new bill, intimidating an individual in regards to their gender identity can result in prison time or a $10,000 fine. Intimate means a willful course of conduct involving repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that could cause a reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, and the actual causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, the bill reads. I guess they never heard the news or got the memo that says Amendment 1, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. All right. Sorry, Producer Steve. I jammed some extra time in there since it was only two shows uh, last week and I had a lot saved up. Uh, I'll try to do better next week, but be sure to come back. Um, we've got Democrat. Uh, well, no, we don't have Democrat candidate. We, don't, we, we do want, have... don't, don't want to say because we may not have that guest that we just had another no show. We got our nice guest today, Steve. That's true. But they were both confirmed. So I'm going to say it. Jasmine Mission, John Novello, and author Thomas J. Baker. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the week. They're really good ones. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee, People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. 
energizedhealth.com. Hi, this is JT Olson. I'm the president and founder of Both Hands Foundation, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View Podcast. Welcome to my coach for the day. Before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcast. Just go to Rumble or iTunes and hit the subscribe button and follow us. And thanks for doing it. They've got this crazy actor who's 82 years old up there in a suit. I was a mayor, and they're probably thinking I know how to give a speech. But even when I was mayor, I never gave speeches. I gave talks. Clint Eastwood. I guess a small town mayor is sort of like a community organizer, except that you have actual responsibilities. Sarah Palin. I think to adequately manage a crisis, you have to see it because there's only so much somebody else can tell you about it and they impose their own distortions on the description. You need to see it yourself, Rudy Giuliani. In New York, we had primary elections for mayor. To improve their chances, all five candidates changed their name to Rudy Giuliani, Conan O'Brien. Lastly, freedom writer Catherine Burks Brooks died at age 83. Dr. Catherine Burks Brooks, a member of the Freedom Writers with the Nashville Connection, has died at age 83. Burks Brooks was among the Nashville students who joined the original 13 Freedom Writers in May 1961 after violent attacks by white mobs in Alabama. She grew up in Birmingham, and from a very young age, she developed a sharp tongue, a critical eye, and a strong sense of justice, according to a family statement. Burks Brooks notably confronted Bull Connor, the segregationist Birmingham commissioner of public safety, after he arrested the students and drove them to the Alabama-Tennessee state line. Whatever you see that needs to be fixed, when that's what you start concerning, concentrating on and find others who feel the same way, and if there's two of you, then you look for a third and you go on and you get started, you get to moving, you do something, you don't just sit and say, well, it's just me, so I can't do anything. Burks Brooks died at her home in Birmingham on July 3rd at the age of 83. That's it for this episode. Really hoped you liked it. Thank you, Ms. Brooks, for keeping crime in the conversation in big cities. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. Peace in our time. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.